Welcome to Educational Podcasting Today, the show that not only celebrates educational podcasters, but helps you learn how to create one yourself. Hello, my name is Jeff Bradbury. Welcome to Episode 5. In this week's podcast, we're going to be taking a look at WordPress. How can your school district save tens of thousands of dollars by switching over from those expensive website creation companies into a WordPress website? My guest today is Cameron from the Newark Public Schools, which is the largest school district in the state of New Jersey. They have over 90 schools, and recently he was brought into Newark to take their website and convert it over to WordPress. Saved him tens of thousands of dollars, lots of man hours, and because of that, he now is running one gigantic WordPress site and saving a lot of time. He actually runs all of his websites off of WordPress. They run their calendar off of WordPress. They run their staff portal off of WordPress. Everything today, we're going to be talking about how to save your school district time, money, energy, and bring your school district into WordPress to create an amazing digital hub. See, the reason for doing this show is because two years ago, I actually helped a school district in South Jersey create a website for themselves using WordPress. I got asked by the Lower Alloways Creek School District and Superintendent Jason Eitner to come in and create an amazing website for his school. See, he was a new superintendent, and he was intent on creating a one-to-one environment for their school. He knew that they were going to be doing the park testing this year, and he really wanted to set them up for success. But he didn't have a digital hub. He didn't have a way to do that. The website that was there was kind of nice, but he knew it needed improvements. So he brought me in, and we sat down, and we said, how can we create a website for the Lower Alloways Creek School District? And I said, Jay, we're really not talking about creating one. We're really talking about creating a host of websites. And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, you want us to do something that is inexpensive. You want us to do something that is dynamic. You want us to do something that's going to incorporate not only the needs of the school, but the needs of the community. And to do so using the technologies that we're doing here. Now, I have to back up a little bit here and say Lower Alloways Creek is a K-8 to school district with about 200 kids. And so the concept that I came up with was something that was going to be great for not only the elementary kids, but the middle school age kids, but also was going to be nice enough to work on for the faculty. And it was going to help train the community how to get information for their students and also from the school district. So we came up with a brand new concept. We redesigned the logo. Their logo is the muskrat and we also came up with a brand new concept and a brand new uh, web design so we are lacschool.org that's lacschool.org certainly check it out down there we used wordpress we actually created a big wordpress multi-site and we created a website for the community we also created a staff portal and then because he wanted to teach his teachers how to go google we also created a number of websites through the Google Sites platform. So we have a website for the Board of Ed. We have a website for the library. We have a website for the the shop teacher. We have a lot of different Google Sites websites all feeding into this main WordPress website. Got to tell you, it's a really, really nice looking website. It, the, the, it, and the, the best part about it is it's all a combination of WordPress and Google. You see, I believe that WordPress really should be not looked at as a website, but as the digital hub for the way you create your school districts. And as a podcaster, you can appreciate this. We create a post or we create something for our school 
and then that automatically triggers our Twitter feed, automatically triggers our our Facebook feed, automatically triggers our Google Plus feed. And so creatively, we were able to take the Lower LOA School District and really make it so that way one post on the website, one push of the button from his secretary, automatically goes out to all of the different social media feeds. And their teachers are able to get the information and their school is able to get the information. But more importantly, the students in their community are able to get the information that they need when there's emergencies. We set everything up using Remind. If you look in the front page, we have a really nice Google Slides uh, embed. And they're using that as their daily uh, daily announcements. That's kind of cool the way that they're doing that. We have a Google embed on the left for all the YouTube videos. And so that way, when, when they need to update videos on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, all they have to do is update the YouTube playlist and the website comes up i hope you have a moment to take a look at it lacschool.org it is a great little website and it is certainly a a way of looking at a website and saying instead of spending fifteen thousand dollars on a website and a lot of money for hosting you can really do it on a budget you can do it on a a platform where you have complete control of over not only the content but the look and the feel and you can do so running a smaller school district and certainly a big school district which is what we're going to talk about today my guest on the show today is cameron barrett the head web designer for the newark public schools and i'm so thrilled to have had him on the show today talking about how he took the newark public schools a huge billion dollar a year budget and put it into wordpress and it was really really interesting sitting down talking to him about i i brought my experiences from doing lower alloways with a 200 school uh, sorry a 200 student school district and he was bringing his experiences from a 90 school building school district and we really uh, had a good time talking a little bit about how wordpress can go so i'll be right back after this quick interview and here is our interview with cameron barrett my guest today on the show is Cameron Barrett, the Senior Manager of Website Technology for the Newark Public Schools. Cameron, how are you today? Welcome to our show. Hi, Jeff. Glad to have me. Thank you so much for being here. Today we're talking all about WordPress, specifically WordPress as a device to be used in a school district website. Now, you're certainly no stranger to WordPress. I know that you've been designing the website for the Newark Public Schools. Tell us a little bit about some of the work that you're doing up there in Newark. Mm-hmm. So about a year and a half ago, I was approached by the communications director at Newark Public Schools to take a job full-time with Newark Public Schools to come in and overhaul the, all of the website technology that they were using. Um, at the time, they were using a pretty expensive software vendor uh, based out of uh, Pennsylvania, and they were spending somewhere in the neighborhood of $60,000 a year for website hosting and website content management systems. Now, this system with the vendor was a proprietary, closed-source, vendor-controlled solution that didn't allow me to do any of the uh, custom development that I needed to do on top of their system. I would have had to go through their their developers and get onto their product release cycle, and uh, that was not a good solution for me. So I came into my I came in, went to my boss and said. I'm going to replace the entire thing with WordPress. I'm going to do it in three months. And in the process, I'm going to cut our website operating budget in half in year one. And in year two, I'm going to cut it in half again. He signed off on it, and that's exactly what I did. And and how is it exactly that WordPress is allowing school districts to not only slash their budget, but completely obliterate 
most of the overhead that goes into actually uh, maintaining a, a website. Right. Because WordPress is open source, it's freely available to anybody who wants to install it on a server, configure it, uh, program against it, develop against it. Um, it's, there's no cost at all to it except for hiring a, a developer or having an in-house developer do that work. Um, this cost model is extremely um, affordable when, when you compare it to enterprise-level software development or paying a vendor to develop against their platform. Um, it's just much more affordable, and that's the beauty of open source. Now, when a school district is looking to go into WordPress, what are some of the things that they need to think about, or what are some of the things that, that, a, that a, a technology department might want to uh, approach a web developer with? Uh, first, you need to figure out what you're going to be using WordPress for. Are you hosting? Are you just using the, for the district site, or do you want to host your school sites as well? Um, if you're doing it with just for the district site, you can do get a buy with just a plain old WordPress.org vanilla install on a server on a co-location on a um, a shared hosting service somewhere. If you're if you want to do something where you're hosting a bunch of school sites as part of a WordPress multi-site, you're going to want to get a more robust hosting solution. You know, go with one of the um, better WordPress-centric hosting companies out there. A company like WP Engine or Pagely or uh, uh, Bluehost or even GoDaddy for that sense. Uh, there's a bunch of companies that are specializing in WordPress hosting, and they take care of a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to keeping WordPress secure, making sure you have nightly backups, um, making sure that there's no uh, common server exploits sitting on their servers. Um, like, for instance, they don't run cPanel, which is a common exploit vector for you know, hacking servers. Uh, they only worry about keeping WordPress secure. So Cameron, what are we really talking here? If a school district wants to go with something like a Bluehost or a Pagely, what is the annual budget that somebody can project for a, a, a really, you know, top-notch web hosting package? It depends, it depends on what you're trying to do. So for, for instance, Newark Public Schools is approximately 70, web, 70 schools, 70 to 75 websites. Um, 10 million page views a year. We need something more robust. Robust. We can't just go with a shared hosting solution where we're on the same server as a bunch of other companies. Uh, so we actually went with a dedicated managed server with a company called WP Engine, and we're paying $1,200 a month. So it's around $14,000 a year. But we're a very, very big school district, so we kind of we kind of have to pay that that premium. For a smaller school district um, where you have maybe six schools. 2,000, 3,000 students total entire district, you can get by with a much um, more affordable hosting package. Uh, WP Engine does offer shared hosting solutions. Uh, those are around $29 a month uh, for a single website. Um, if you're hosting a multi-site that's still considered a single website, you can get by, get by with $29 a month. Um, if you need something a little more robust, you can go up to $99 a month. So you're still looking around uh, at, at the most, a thousand dollars a year for hosting. Can uh, you... That's a lot less expensive than paying a vendor with their own custom CMS that you don't have any access to, uh, which is anywhere from, uh, for a district of around six schools with the vendors, it's anywhere from eight to fifteen thousand dollars a year. Uh, for larger school districts, it's anywhere from fifty to. I just saw an estimate the other day. There's a big school district down in Florida. 
around 90 schools, and they're ready to sign a contract with a vendor for $750,000 over five years. That's crazy amounts of money for a vendor solution. Um, I can go in with WordPress or the same district and say, for year one, I'm going to cut this down to around sixty dollars or $70,000. Year two, I'm going to cut that in half again. So for larger districts, the cost savings go way, way up. And is the cost savings basically because you're not, you're not paying for somebody to actually sit there and develop the site? It's already put together. It's just a matter of maintenance and maintaining? It's, you're not paying for the vendor's proprietary solutions. Mm. You're, pay, you're paying basically for upfront development cost against WordPress. So any custom development you need in WordPress, you have to pay for. So if you're doing custom configuration, if you're doing uh, custom, you know, like a custom plugin that you have to pay for, you know, that's five or six or ten thousand dollars depending on what you need. Mm. You know, the build out for a, for a large district for WordPress is anywhere from fifteen to forty to fifty thousand dollars. That's year one cost. Um, year two is a lot less for a smaller district. If you want to use a canned template or a canned theme, you know, modify it a little bit, um, migrate your content. You know, it could be as low as five thousand dollars for year one. Now, let me back you up just a second here because I'm sure people that are listening to this have a few questions. You said a few things that I want to ask you to clarify a little bit. The difference between WordPress and multi-site, what do you mean by that? So WordPress by itself is just a single website, right? But WordPress also has something called WordPress multi-site. And that basically allows you to host um, any an unlimited number of websites under a single WordPress installation. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And and for many people who are interested in getting into WordPress, maybe they're familiar with either WordPress.com or maybe they're, word, they're familiar with EduBlogs or even KidBlog. Um, EduBlogs edu in itself is a very, very large WordPress multi-site. Exactly. They're, they're actually running one WordPress they're just breaking it off times. I think they're like at five and a half million or some, some, yep. some awesome number like that. But that mm -hmm. is essentially one thing. Well, what is the advantage of that? I know as a, as a person who maintains WordPress, it's a time saver because you don't have to go into 90 different schools and update plugins. But, but talk to us about why a school would want to do a multi-site versus 90 single websites. Let's just start with that. Yep. Again, for, for Newark public schools, um, you know, we're 70, 70 websites, and for us to have 70 different WordPress installations that we have to keep track of and manage and keep updated, that's just way too much work. What we can with, do with multi-site is we can have one WordPress installation, and we can have 70 websites, subsites underneath that WordPress installation. We're also using parent-child theme. So our district theme is a parent, a parent theme and the schools themselves are child themes of that theme. And what we've done is we've allowed, we've actually built in some customization into the child theme so that a school website can go in and they can change the logo, change the colors, change the widgets, um, all independently from the district site. Well, let, let, let's ask about that a little bit here because so many times, and I, I work with school districts as well to create things, and I have other clients, and I know you do too, Ultimately, the client wants to be able to change things on their own without you. 
Is that good? Is that bad? When you set up a website for a school district, what options do you allow the school district just to change on their own? Like you said, logos and colors, or is that something that you as the developer say, tell me what you need, I'll fix it, and you guys just worry about pushing content out? If they have an experienced content administrator who understands how WordPress works, then there's no no real danger of giving them control over editing their content, adding content, turning widgets on and off, adding new widgets, installing plugins. You can give that give them that administrator access and they can go to town. Um, the nice thing about having backups is that if they break something, you can just roll back the most recent backup. Um, that's very critical when you're thinking about hosting. Um, make sure you have nightly backups so that if anything does break, you can always roll back and you'll only lose one day's changes. And when somebody does approach a developer for redesigning a theme what are some of the things that you usually ask a school district to have ready um mm-hmm. as far as logos graphics overall concept i mean it's easy for somebody to come to a website developer and say well i want a really nice website come back with a proposal you tell me what you want it to look like <laughs> what's the best way to work with a developer most of, most of the districts, because they already have existing websites, you're not doing a brand new website, you're doing a migration from a, one site to a, from one platform to another. So you can actually take a look at what they currently have, figure out what their information architecture looks like, and then migrate that directly over to WordPress uh, in a variety of ways. You can do it manually. If you're migrating content, you can use content, uh, content import scripts to you know, grab the content and import it for you. But generally, you're copying the information architecture of an existing website. Um, when it comes to graphic design, that's basically just a matter of are you doing something from scratch or are you modifying a theme? If you're building a theme from scratch, you can build on top of a theme framework like underscores um, or Canvas. But if, you build, if you're modifying an existing theme, you're really not doing much except changing colors, changing imagery, you know, swapping out of logos. Um, you know, maybe turning a footer, adding a footer or a subfooter, you know, to the theme. You're not doing it's a lot. It's very a lot simpler to take an existing theme and, and modify it than it is to build a theme from scratch. Talking today with Cameron Barrett from the Newark Public Schools. And Cameron, I want to take a moment here and show off some of the great work that you're doing over here. Let me pull up the Newark Public Schools website, and of course, you can find information out about this at nps.k12. NJUS. And if you're listening to this show on audio, you can head on over to educationalpodcasting.today and you can check out the YouTube video of our, of our interview today. Cameron, take us through a little bit about this website. What is on here? How long did this take you to do? Maybe tell us a little bit about what was given to you when you took on this project that you had to migrate. All right. So when we started, when we started uh, with migrating this website, we started with a plan of we had to migrate all the content from an old solution. Um, we actually hired a developer to write a content migration script that would scrape the old site and inject the content directly into WordPress for us. And it was a matter of going in as a, as a content administrator and cleaning up the, the, you know, the junky code that it pulled in with the, with the content itself. Um, this theme itself is built on top of the underscores framework. If you're familiar with that, it's a, it's a WordPress theme framework that allows you to build very robust, responsive design themes. Um, the big image slider is the plugin using a plugin called Soliloquy, which is a very extensible um, 
like image carousel slider plugin that we use. Um, we're using taking full advantage of the very robust WordPress menu management system. And you can see if you roll over the, the red the red navigation, you can see we have everything broken down by department. And then over in the schools, navigating between schools, you can see we have all of our schools powered through one menu. So 70 different schools. Um, one of the custom pieces of functionality we have here is we have a district calendar. And before what we have, what we used to have is we used to have one calendar per school and then we had a, had a district events calendar. But what we've done is we've actually modified the events calendar so that it shows all events across all schools in one calendar. And is that all so, run by Google or is that all run by WordPress? No, that's all run through a, a WordPress plugin called Events Manager. I want you to actually take a look at it if you click on District Calendar in the top blue bar. Sure. And is that does that mean that the staff is putting their calendar into WordPress or is WordPress pulling it from somewhere else? They're putting it into WordPress. So our technology coordinators at each school are responsible for adding the events to their school calendars. And then all the events in the school calendars roll up into the district calendar. And so at any given time, you can look at the district calendar and you can identify um, how many events are happening across the district in any given day. And if you want to, you can also navigate, navigate to a single school's calendar using that menu right next to the tab. And does this also help with buildings and grounds, or is this a completely different infrastructure than the person who's signing out those rooms at any given time and is, who's in charge of the buildings? This is not. This has nothing to do with um, facilities management. This is all events, public events that are happening in our schools. Neat. Well, not just public events, but testing events. So when the park testing is happening, that stuff is in there. It's basically any kind of event happening in any school, whether it's official or um, a testing event or if it's a, a musical or anything like that. Neat. And so with something like this, if this ever needed to be updated, what is the process that a school district goes through? Do they call you? Do they, do they just, can they go in there and update a plugin or how, how does a, a school district maintain their website? If a school district has a talented developer on staff, they're more than happy to work with the source code. Of course, they should be keeping the source code in some kind of a version control system. We happen to use uh, Git and we're hosted on Beanstalk. Um, with uh, the, the Git, implementation, the, the connections between Git and WP Engine, we can actually store our, we can actually develop locally on our uh, on our Macs locally, and then push the version, push the software, the code from our local repository to our staging server, and then from our staging server to our production server. It's a standard development process for any, any software development. Um, if a school district has that process in place, then they can certainly take advantage of it. If they don't want to have that process in place, then they, they need to have a developer who can put that process in place. 
Talk to us a little bit about you keep saying if the school district has somebody who's a developer or somebody that's website savvy, what kind of training do you usually provide or what what kind of training do you suggest that a developer and a school district kind of work out be, you know, at the same time that basically you hand over the keys and say we're done? I would estimate the majority of the districts in this country don't have anybody on staff who know, who can be a website developer. Um, therefore, I recommend that they find a local firm to be their development point, their, their point person for development, and then that person would handle any source control of the code. Um, if uh, they want to hire um, somebody like me, they could do. You know, I can handle that for them. And these are all you know value-added services on top of of anything else that they do, um, including you know website hosting, uh, su- support. Um, you know, content migration, um, you know, online support, phone support, that kind of stuff. Neat. But I think most districts do not have those people on staff, but some do. So it's just a matter of identifying who those people are. It's certainly nice to know that in a, in a you know day and age like today, there are several great solutions out there for school districts that are looking to stay digital, stay on, stay on the cusp of technology, and not spend, as you said, $750,000. When you told me that number a couple of days ago on the phone, I was like, my goodness, that is a ridiculously huge number. And just the fact that, you know, as you said, you can walk in there on the first day and basically slash that thing down to under 100000 that's mm-hmm. saving a lot of money for the district. That's putting those resources back in the, in the students' yep. hands. That's helping, you know, maybe save some teaching jobs. There's a lot of great yes, reasons absolutely. why you would want to stay with, with WordPress. Um, just in wrapping up here, what advice would you give a school district that was evaluating their digital footprint out there? Why would a school district want to give go to WordPress? Why would a school district really want to look into this? Um, what's that one last pitch that you could mm-hmm. give a school district out there that might be listening to the show? Well, there's two things I want to talk about. The first is that WordPress powers about 24% of all websites on the internet. So finding a local WordPress developer or somebody to act as the first point of contact with handling WordPress for a school district is a lot easier to do than trying to deal with the vendor who's, you know, a thousand miles away in a different state. Um, So it makes absolute sense for school districts to move to WordPress, one, for the cost savings, but also, too, for finding somebody who can actually work with the system once it's been installed and, and is actually operational. Um, the second is uh, the federal E-rate money that pays for that's been paying for work, for website hosting in school districts is going away. Uh, last July, the FCC voted four to three to modernize the E-rate Act and basically made it impossible for school districts to use the federal E-rate money to pay for website hosting and website content management systems. Um, so all of these vendors who have been charging tens and twenties, tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for this, these services, they can't do that anymore. The money's gone. That money is being rolled into the Wi-Fi rollout. The FCC is pushing right now. It, 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 it's interesting to listen to these different conversations about E-rates and money and, and allocations on here. And before I let you go, I know you're, you have a mission that you wanted to, to bring up here, and I love this mission. And that mission is basically to help school districts get help with their hosting costs. Talk to us a yes. little bit about some of the work that you're doing 
and how a school district can connect with you to learn more about the great work that you are doing on their behalfs. So there's two things I'm doing. The first is I'm starting a company called k12presser.com, which basically acts as a WordPress for schools uh, website development and website um, services company that helps these school districts migrate off these expensive vendor solutions and onto WordPress. So a district who wants to migrate, they just you know they can email me, they can call me up and say we need help, put together a proposal for us, and uh, and I'll you know I'll submit a bid, and if I win the bid, then I'll go to work um, building that out for them. Um, the second thing I'm doing is I'm also putting together a coalition of hosting companies that want to provide uh, free or low-cost WordPress hosting for uh, school districts. Um, so far, I've got a couple companies interested. Um, the, the company that's most interested right now is GoDaddy, as they have a, their own custom uh, WordPress uh, hosting solution that they've put into place. And I'm talking with them about doing a coalition. I'm talking to uh, WP Engine. I'm talking to Bluehost. And I'm talking to InMotion Hosting. Um, there's a lot of companies very interested in helping public schools. It's just a matter of putting those pieces into place to offer the low and free cost hosting to public schools. And are they looking at doing this on a shared hosting level or on a VPS level? Probably both, because the larger districts can't really be on a, a single server, or they can't be on a shared server. Mm-hmm. They kind of have to have a dedicated server. So um, I think they would. Ex- I think these this coalition would expect the larger districts to kick in something because dedicated managed servers are not cheap. Um, but if a company like GoDaddy says, well, here's 10 servers, you can put 1,000 schools on them, I'd be like, done. So it's just a matter of putting, you know, working out the logistics of that. And does a school district, I, mean, I, I think we just glanced over a huge topic right there, but um, differences, can you just basically talk about the differences between the servers? You have a shared server, a virtual server, a, a what are all those different kinds of servers that school districts have to look at? And is it possible for a school to have their own server on site and still be able to run WordPress? Absolutely. Ninety um, percent of the districts in this country are going to be happy with a shared service, a shared server solution, where they're paying twenty-nine or thirty bucks a month uh, for hosting. It's affordable. It serves their needs. They don't have to go the next level up. Um, medium-sized districts, they're going to probably want. Still going to be on a shared server solution, but it's going to cost them a little more because they need more CP, more resources from the server because they're serving more pages. The, the pages are heavier, the sites are heavier. There's more content. Um, the large districts, I actually think, are going to start moving towards the DPSs and or dedicated managed servers for WordPress, um, and that's going to cost anywhere from you know three hundred to twelve hundred dollars a month, depending on the, the hosting provider you go with. Um, but when you compare those rates to what they were charging, what they are being paid, what they're paying now with the vendors, those rates are still very low. Lots of good stuff here. Cameron, where can we get a hold of you if we're looking for more information about the stuff happening over at K12 Presser? Um, easiest way is just to go to my website and fill out the contact form, or you can you know, email me, Cameron, at k12presser.com. Um, or you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is camworld. Um, I also have K12 Presser, but it's not active. You can, you can reach me there. 
We will certainly make sure we have all the links to contact Cameron and K-12 Presser over on our website um, under our show notes here over at educationalpodcasting.today. Cameron, thank you so much for spending the time with us. We really do look forward to seeing where this goes, and hopefully maybe one day we can have free web hosting for school districts around the world. Thank you so much, Cameron, for joining us today. Thanks, Jeff. You know, before closing off today's podcast, I want to say one more time, thank you so much to Cameron for coming on and sharing his enthusiasm about WordPress and some of the great stories about what's happening in the Newark Public School Districts. You know, if your school district out there is looking to transform your website into a completely amazing social and digital hub, give me a contact over at feedback at teachercast.net. Be happy to at least talk you through things, if not help you out. I've done websites large and small. It is a great way to change your website and make it not only media-friendly, but also community-friendly, too. You know, one of the things that, we, that we're that we going to be working on in the future here with Jay's website for Lower Alloways is to not only keep it website-friendly, WordPress-friendly, keep it Google-friendly, but also, you know, once you have a website, once you have WordPress, once you have that RSS feed, it is amazing what you can do. You can create a post, you can put it up on iTunes. You can create some content and RSS it out and create your school district's mobile app. And we'll certainly be talking about mobile apps here coming up in the future as we talk more about podcasters, podcasting, and WordPress. We have a lot of shows lined up for you. You see, I'm actually recording this now on Wednesday night, April the 8th. I've been off uh, on spring break now for a week. And even though this here is episode 5, I've actually recorded up until episode 10. All of our video episodes, all of our video interviews, such as the one we just did with Cameron, can be found over on our website, educationalpodcasting.today. And all the video episodes are found on our YouTube channel, over at teachercast.net slash YouTube. Certainly hope that you reach out and subscribe to us. Tell us what you think of this new show. Five major episodes in. We're doing really well. I love the feedbacks. I think we're up to about 10 different reviews right now on iTunes. I even saw yesterday that the TeacherCast Broadcasting Network, our main feed which is teachercast.net slash YouTube, is actually number four right now under audio podcast. So I want to say thank you, everybody, for reaching out, taking the time to write reviews. If you haven't, haven't checked out yet, please take a moment to go to teachercast.net slash iTunes and write us a nice review. If you like this show and you want to review it as well, please also take a moment while you're there. You can search for this under iTunes. We were the other day somewhere in the top 50 in Growing Strong for all educational podcasts with this feed. And I know we were on the front page with this particular show under new and noteworthy. So thank you guys out there from the bottom of my heart for all of the, all of this, all of the, uh, oh, what was I going to say? For all of the support you have been giving me. If you are out there listening and you're going to the ISTE conference, I have some great news about ISTE coming up. We're actually going to be broadcasting live again from the ISTE convention. Uh, looks like we're going to be broadcasting Monday and Wednesday in the morning from 8 o'clock until noon Eastern. Of course, the ISTE convention this year is in beautiful Philadelphia. So that's Monday and Wednesday. Set your alarms for 8 o'clock in the morning till 12. We are looking for guests. We're looking for support. We're looking for sponsors. We are looking for ways to bring educational broadcasting into your home. Why not Tuesday? Well, we've got some surprises for you. We've got some pretty interesting things that we're going to be doing on Tuesday at, at ISTE, and I don't want to spoil it yet. All I can say is come back for more. 
Check us out live every single Sunday night on the Tech Educator Podcast at 7 o'clock Eastern. We have a great lineup in store for the next month. We're going to be talking a little bit about Evernote, a little bit about Final Cut, a lot more stuff on Google Tools. We're going to be talking about YouTube. There's a lot of changes happening in YouTube, especially for you, the educational podcaster. Follow the show on Twitter at Podcasting Today, and certainly check out our website, educationalpodcasting.today. Thank you for allowing TeacherCast to be a part of your professional network, and I certainly hope you take a moment to share TeacherCast with your PLN. Finally, my name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for taking the time to make TeacherCast your home for your professional development. Until next time, keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. National Podcast Day is September 30th, but what is National Podcast Day? It's pretty simple, and you can help spread the word. National Podcast Day is dedicated to promoting podcasting worldwide through public engagement. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved with National Podcast Day? It's easy. Head over to nationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. But ultimately, these options are endless. Remember, September 30th, nationalpodcastday.com. And let's start the conversation.